friends. Thanks for joining us for our Women Speaking Truth podcast. I am here with my friend Andy, um, and I'm Galen. And Andy, I heard that you did something uh, fun, maybe fun no. this weekend. I, okay, so yes, fun. So I've got three kids, you know, and my husband's name is Andy. So if you ever hear me say, hey, yeah, Andy and I, it's, I'm literally talking about not myself. So we've got three kids. Yeah, Jeremiah's, that always threw me off when right? I first met I you. I know, I know. So Jeremiah is 12. Jayla just turned 11 last week. And then we have Jonah, who's nine and a half. So we've got the girl in the middle and Galen, she's all girl and she is her mother through and through. Last night was the seven kids sleepover, which is great. And Galen, they were so wonderful, but here's what happened. She rented, we rented for her a big, big bouncy house with the bouncy house combination slide that you go down it yeah. and there's a tunnel and, and it's super, super fun. fun. Yeah. It is. <clears throat> the goal was that they would sleep outside in the bouncy house, the low last night was 42 degrees. Uh, I was convinced, like, Jayla, listen, babe, you, uh, just so you know, it's going to be really cold and dewy, so you're going to be cold and wet. It, this isn't going to work. It really was. <laughs> and because I was so concerned, uh, one girl has anxiety, others, I was just so nervous that they'd be, like, not sleeping and crying over there and I couldn't hear them. So I really didn't sleep. So you and slept out there. I had to. Well, okay, so a couple girls got up off of the bounce house at 2.30 in the morning because they were too cold. Oh. So um, I came in with them, leaving Jayla <laughs> and Haven out on the bounce house. I get in bed, and Andy says, um, are all the kids in here? And I said, except for those two. He said, you got to go. So he kicks me out back to the bounce house. So it's been a night. So if I sound weird and so not coherent. Not at all. I would get like 20 to 30 minute stretches of sleep and then be up for a while. Uh, so, and it was cold and dewy. And my daughter, so she woke up at 4.30. She came over. She's like, mom, I'm so cold. And I was like, great, let's go inside. She's like, no, we said we'd sleep out here all night. She is me. Like when so she, she has to do it. Oh, when she gets it in her mind, it will be done. Like no matter what. So Galen, I've got three kids. You're in, in you're in an interesting place as a woman. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that? So married, no kids. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways that makes my life, um, it's easier. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's a lot easier because I don't, I work full time. So then when I come home, I'm not, you know, doing all of the kids stuff. Right. Um, so I have much respect and admiration for my friends who have children, um, work or not work because it is, it is a full time job, but I have two dogs. So yes, my dogs do. are my kids and yeah. you know, they can go in crates and do you I ever can put shot collars on oh them. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. <laughs> do you ever see yourself changing that situation to having human children? You know, we've talked about it. My husband, Joel, and I have talked about it over the years. And if we ever did, it would probably be something of more like an adoption, mm -hmm. foster type situation. Um, that's something that God keep, seems to keep like bringing up in him. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm just not there yet. Yeah. So it's just been something that hasn't been really, it's not been a strong desire for me. Yeah. Um, I would say I was probably more open to it, you know, when we first got married. And then over the years, it's just... You, you kind of get into a routine and habits. And so, yeah, yeah, that's where we are. So Galen, you have been like, you've got a book here <laughs> chock full about faith. Where are we going today? Today we are talking about faith and excuses. 
and Andy, I am like, I can be a professional excuse maker. But you're a three on the Enneagram, which is highly driven. Yes. So, But you still see excuses in you. Oh, totally still see excuses. Can you give me examples? Um, let's see. An excuse last week. So this is how this looks for me. So this is a silly example, but whatever. Um, so last week I decided to pick up dinner instead of making dinner. And my excuse was, I've had a long week. I've gotten up early. I've had a lot of meetings. I'm tired. I don't want to cook. I know I shouldn't spend the money, but you know what? We're just going to buy dinner out anyway. Okay. Again, silly example, mm-hmm. but I'm constantly like trying to justify if I do something that makes me feel a little bit guilty mm-hmm. um, about maybe I should have cooked. I should have saved money. I should have done that better. I'm always trying to find a reason to support why I made the decision anyway. Do you think an excuse is simply like taking an ideal down to the status quo or, or what is it? What's the reason? Cause I do this every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like saying, here's what I ought to do. Mm-hmm. If I'm responsible and on the ball, mm-hmm. then the picture in my head will look like this. Then later on life happens and I have to lower my standard of what my behavior will be. Therefore telling myself an excuse of why I have permission to lower my standard. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. I think that it is that giving yourself permission or I think when we start talking about faith and excuses, and this is really kind of the bottom line of where we're going today, is that excuses are, they're actually symptoms of disobedience. I don't agree. Just kidding. I do. I completely agree. But those are hard words to hear. Will you those say are hard that again? Words to hear. They're very hard words to hear. But as I've been studying Moses, and, and that's where who we're talking about today, and we'll get into Exodus, but... Um, you start looking at some of the excuses and the pattern of excuses he made in his interactions with God. And they were pretty significant in being an indicator that there was something going on in his heart that was not in alignment with what God wanted. Oh, I get it, Galen, like this. In the same way that in my day, if I'm getting tired and toward the end of my day, instead of cooking the teriyaki chicken and rice that I say, forget it, we'll just run to Taco Bell. I'm lowering my bar of responsibility, which is neither here nor there. Right. But on a spiritual level, what I do, I think, I'm literally talking this out, so help me understand, where God has a standard Mm. on his people that we will obey, honor, trust, love, and the list goes on. When I recognize that that's too much for me and my opinion then I'm going to choose to lower the bar so that I can meet my own expectation and not God's own expectation. And what I have to tell myself in order to justify that behavior is the excuse. That's why you say it's a symptom of disobedience. That's You broke it down perfectly. Perfectly. So there's this, God has this expectation, this standard that he set. And that's exactly what we do is we then, well, I can't meet it, but let me fill that gap of where I actually am and where God is Mm -hmm. calling me to be. Let me fill it with an excuse. Hmm. Let me fill it with why I I'm not able to get to that level. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's where this tension of 
how does faith overcome that? Mm -hmm. You know, where am I making excuses in my life, especially when it comes to my relationship with God and where he's leading and calling me? Am I making excuses to try to fill that gap of where I think I should be and where he's actually calling me to be? Wow, yeah. So you've been looking at someone specific in the Bible. Want to get us there? Yes. Yep. So let's go into Exodus. Um, So let's just set the stage a little bit in Exodus 3. So Exodus 3 and 4. So I'm just going to start reading at the beginning of Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. So then the Lord sees that he had gone over to look, and God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. So just, you know, kind of painting this picture, he's doing his day-to-day routine, he's taking care of the flock, they're in the desert, and he looks over and he sees this bush that's on fire but not actually burning up, and he's like, hmm. I'm going to go check that out. That's Mm -hmm. not something you see every day. Um, So then he goes over and it's interesting to me that God says, it it says when God saw that he had actually come over to look, then he spoke to him. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. So wait, do you feel like, oh, here's just a nuance of a question. We would say if we were writing this, God spoke to him by lighting a bush on fire that doesn't actually burn up. Mm Mm-hmm. What any thoughts about that really quick? Because you said that's interesting. Well, it's interesting to me because it's like I think that sometimes God is working mm-hmm. and He is showing up and He's making things happen, but we don't actually turn and say, "Let me go check that out mm-hmm. in a little bit more detail." Oh my gosh! And all the excuses I have, mm-hmm. Galen, for not turning and go checking those yes. things out. Yep. Oh my yep. goodness. The excuse, I'm too busy. Yeah. I don't have time. Too much effort. It's too much effort. I've got a lot going on right now. Maybe next week I'll go check out yeah. the burning bush. You right. Know? Right. <laughs> I mean, truly. Um, so he goes over, they start to talk and, and God is saying, Hey, I've seen how miserable the people in Egypt are. I want to rescue them. And down in verse 10, he says, okay, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. And so this is where we get into Moses's series of excuses. Mm -hmm. And there were five over the course of two chapters. He Five times he tried to get himself out of this situation. This is why we love Moses. Because we're like, it's not him. He is reflective of me. So reflective of me. Yeah, we get it. Yep. So here's where Moses says his first excuse. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So first question, so typical, Andy. Like, have you ever done this? Oh, I do this probably every day. Okay, so I, who am I? Like, why, why would you call me to do this? Why do we do that? Why do you do that? Um, so let me get a couple thoughts out. First of all, this is happening more these days and probably in the last three months than maybe it's happened in the last two years. Mm. So... For me, I'll notice patterns. This right now would be probably pattern number one that I'm recognizing in my personal life. Therefore, I resonate with this. The reason why I'm asking, wait, who am I, God, that you would ask me to lead women speaking truth? That you would, I don't know, right now, 
gift me in such a way that then you lead me toward you to use these giftings. I think for me, it's such an obvious recognition of my weaknesses, Mm. the reality that there is not a character gap, a human, a human gap between who I am when I do laundry and I cook dinner and I yell at my kids for not putting their shoes away again and that Andy's voice um, that I hope is spirit infused that's mm. is my prayer there's a gap between that and when I recognize the weakness I perceive the gap is really far mm. and therefore I say God why on earth would you ask me or pick me or select me or have me in mind when Um, the ticker tape in my brain is Mm -hmm. saying unqualified failure, can't do it. You're going to be found out for me. It's the insecurity of who I am in Christ that begs the question, God, who am I that you would even consider me like you are out of your mind? Mm. Um, because I feel so out of my mind, Mm. it's me projecting my insecurity on him. Mm. What would you say? Oh, I love that you just what you just said, projecting my insecurity on God. I mean, isn't that the truth, Galen? Oh, it's so true. And so I take my inadequacy that I know exists mm. and I'm basically saying, God, you're not big enough to cover over my inadequacy. Well, and let's keep playing with this idea that when I project my insecurity on God, I'm just going to play with a few ideas. It can sound like I don't engage intimately and I'm just, maybe this is true of me. Maybe it's not. If I don't engage intimately and deeply with people around me, then it might be really easy or natural for me to say, God, you're not going to be there for me because I'm not as a person ever really there for people around me. Uh... There's the insecurity that I could project on God. Oh, Galen, we know this one. I'm not loved by those around me, I feel unloved. Therefore, God, you certainly mm-hmm. don't love me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or for me, it would look like I have high expectations of mm-hmm. performance for myself and I'm disappointed in myself when I don't meet those expectations. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when I don't meet those expectations, God is disappointed in me. Bingo. Yeah. So I, I think saying. maybe that gap can be indicative that for me personally, this is true. That's when I start asking, who am I that Mm. you would want me to do this? Because I'm aware of the insecurity. I assume that God doesn't just recognize it. I get that, but that he feels the same way about me that I feel about me. And therefore it really begs the question, who am I that you would even have something like calling or purpose for me when we all know I'm just going to screw the whole thing up Yeah. yeah, or whatever. Well, and you think about Moses, he had been out of Egypt for, for what, 40 years. And then all of a sudden God's saying, I'm going to use you to lead them out of Egypt. Hmm. Like that is huge. And so can you imagine what he must've felt like saying, really? I'm the guy who murdered someone and ran and took off. Who am I? Because you must be looking at me thinking, here's this guy who's been hiding and away 
and why on earth would I be the one that you're going to take back into Egypt and do this thing? It's really interesting, too, because if I were Moses' friend, right, and I knew him as a childhood friend, that he grew up in uh, the most prominent household in Egypt as Pharaoh's, uh, not direct son, but within the household. within the house, yeah. Some of the same rights as Pharaoh's own kids. It'd be so easy, Galen, for me to tell him, Moses, no, wait, wait, of course. What do you mean, who am I? How could you say that? Because clearly... It's so obvious that God does have this calling for you. Look at the influence and the authority that you already have. You know you have access to Pharaoh, where maybe that wasn't true for others in the same way that would have been for him. Uh, He had some sway. Maybe people knew who he was and were more apt to listen to him. So it's so interesting because I would say these same things about your calling, Galen, and you say the same things about my calling. Andy, like God has designed you perfectly. What do you mean asking <laughs> who am I? Yeah. Isn't it so crazy the disconnect that exists between your perspective of God's calling for my life and mm-hmm. my perspective? And I know the same is true for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was that far off for Moses also. Mm-hmm. I don't think so either. So you called this an identity crisis. This was an identity crisis. Who am I? Why would you, why would you send me? Um, And so God responds and he says, I'll be with you. Uh, This will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And so then Moses launches into excuse number two. So Moses says, well, okay. Picture this. I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? Hmm. And so the second excuse is, okay, okay. You're saying it's you who are sending me. I get it. You're going to overcome this identity crisis I'm having. But then what am I actually supposed to say? Hmm. How am I supposed to back up what it is that I'm coming in here and saying that you said? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that's just a natural progression of an excuse. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to sidestep and dodge this calling by coming up with every possible reason that he can. And he's like, but, you know, this is clearly not about me. So let me put the onus back on you. So who, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to say? And, and who are you actually? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me that we go straight to words as mm-hmm. the fulfillment of our calling. Like, okay, so let me play this out. When um, maybe friends on the other end, you may or may not be involved in a truth group. Truth groups are super simple. Galen and I have been involved in truth groups for a few years. It's a no leader, no teacher, no curriculum, but a serious guide. It's actually a journal that leads women, your friends that you text and invite, hey, you guys want to do this nine week thing. It's remarkable and life changing. The number one thing, and actually I just heard it this last Tuesday with my first week in a new truth group. People were like, hey, this is great that there's no, or that we all facilitate. I don't know what to say when I facilitate, which by the way, the journal will tell you exactly, but there's this thing of, I'm going to have to say a whole lot Mm. 
I've been in this place where it's like, okay, God, so if I say yes to you, I don't know what should come out of my mouth. Isn't that a weird thing? I, I can't quite make sense of the connection between calling and why on earth we go straight to the words that then I'm responsible for. And sometimes God hasn't even called me to open my mouth to just say yes and be with someone. Mm. But for me, I translate it automatically to I'm supposed to have words that are meaningful and right. I think that's true in a lot of situations. Words have such power and weight. There's a reason why God gave us the word of God. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why he gave us uh, a book filled with his voice, with his words. And I think it's because they do have such weight and such power. And when you think about the power that words have to heal, to encourage, to tear down, Mm -hmm. um, to crush people. I mean, the power, there's always that illustration you hear. Words are like toothpaste coming out of the toothpaste tube. You have to think about what you say because you cannot put it back in. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we talk about the weight of calling, we also, we want to go right to being able to articulate it because there is such a weightiness and a responsibility and a power associated with the calling of God. Mm -hmm. And so then we want to be able to express that with our mouths. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's again, that idea of, of confessing who Jesus is, articulating and confessing what our calling is and being able to speak that truth into how we take steps forward. Okay, so let's bring this down to real life, Galen. This is only, I think it's only the third time in my closet here. Uh, So we have been, this time and last time, recording Mm -hmm. two episodes at a time. Uh, So I'm assuming for you, it wouldn't be a stretch to say right now, part of living in my calling is being on a podcast and opening my mouth and having words to say, how, or are you able to resonate with excuse number two for Moses? What am I supposed to tell them? <laughs> Isn't this what we talk about every time? So friends, I don't know. friends, every time I'm like, do I really have to introduce it? I'm really awkward. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say. I just want to jump straight into scripture because I'm really bad at the small talk thing. (laughs) So every week we come into Andy's closet and we sit down and I'm like, oh, do I really have to start it? I don't know what to say. Um, So I think that being on a podcast is, it's not a comfortable space for me. Um, Opening my mouth and knowing, you know, knowing what to say. I'm very comfortable with ideas and concepts and I love digging into scripture and, and learning all of these things and then thinking about taking that and articulating it in a way that makes sense and connects and is as meaningful, I hope, to other, other listeners as it is to me. Um, because God, I clearly see God speaking as I'm studying, as I'm in scripture. He's speaking these truths and these conceptual truths into my life. But then taking that and sharing it with friends, it feels very personal. Um, It feels very, very raw, very vulnerable, kind of like putting out there what it is that God's teaching me personally. Um, And so I very much think that being able to express what God's doing in my heart with my voice, with my mouth, um, is absolutely a part of my calling. 
and it's a next step that God, it just feels like in every area of my life, he's saying like, I, I, I want you to open your mouth and speak mm. and, and not with confidence because you're so competent or you've got it going on. Um, and that's something that I've done in the past. I, I will go into, I would go into a meeting or into a room and I would kind of sit back and observe. And I would figure out the dynamics. Okay, clearly that's a person who has some authority. That's a person who, um, who you know, is really directing the, and guiding the conversation. Um, and, you know, that is something that God is changing. Like, you don't just sit back and wait to observe the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, you have confidence in who I am and you stay immersed and steeped in scripture and in what I'm teaching you. And I will do the talking mm-hmm. and the communicating if you will just open your mouth. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's, so these are some of my most favorite verses because they're saying this. It's Paul writing to the Corinthian church. First Corinthians 2 says, um, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God for, which means because I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, like, oh, Paul is so great, but on mm. God's power. And oh. it reminds me, I know, right, right, right? Oh, it's like Mo- <laughs> Moses and Paul, they get us, Galen. Mm. And here's the thing. So Moses, probably because he had some kind of serious speech impediment Mm -hmm. enough that we hear about it several times in scripture. He said, what am I supposed to tell them? Like my, my words don't work. God, I think Paul was in the same boat. This guy who was known for preaching Jesus in new cities, new territories in remarkable ways where the spirit demonstrated God, he didn't do it great. What does this tell you for you and for me and for friends on the other end? That it's not about us. <laughs> I mean, bottom line, uh-huh. it's not about us. And I, uh-huh. I love this. My message, my preaching, were not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the uh-huh. Spirit's power. And this last verse, I mean, I just have to read it again. just have to. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so, you know, my hope, my prayer is that as I, as I get to share with you, friends, you know, what God's teaching me, that you hear the truth of scripture, that it encourages you to dive into God's word because there is nothing like hearing the voice of God speak to you and create these connections and these revelations. It is life changing Mm -hmm. and it just, it encourages me to continue to dive in, to continue to keep my eyes focused on Jesus, knowing that it is who he is and it is all about his glory. And it is all about pointing at him and saying, look at what God is doing. And, and guess what? That takes the burden off of me. Yeah. And so I don't have to make all these excuses Mm. uh, for my humanness and my brokenness. I get to point to God and say, 
because of my humanness and my brokenness, look at him. Yeah. Like for me, it makes me say it's not near as much about what comes out of my mouth as it is about what goes into my heart. Yes. And for me, I want to put all the emphasis, at least 95% of it, mm-hmm. on what comes out of my mouth. When really, if we listen to Moses and Paul, it's so much more about letting God come in, in the quiet, mm-hmm. um, personal spaces that nobody will ever see. That is the demonstration of the Spirit's power in my life, which act- activates the calling of God out of my life. Okay, so, can you say that again? That I don't was a think lot so. right there. I don't think I don't know. <laughs> like I put more emphasis on what comes out of my mouth instead of the time that I'm spending with Jesus where mm-hmm. he's going into my heart. But I think that anointing comes and calling is fueled when it's in those for me when I'm in my basement or in my big red chair or right here in my walk-in closet on my face before mm-hmm. him. That's where calling in the spirit of God, it gets activated so that what comes out of my mouth is, I hope, of the spirit. Mm. So Galen, we're only on excuse number two. Hey, friends on the other end, we're going to get a lot more to faith and not just the tension around faith-like excuses. So we've got a few more episodes. The next one's going to be part two of Faith and Excuses. Galen's got a couple things up her sleeve with this, uh, bridges we still need to cross. Then... Uh, in about a, four more episodes or five more episodes around then, I'm just putting random numbers on these. We're really going to start to look at what then is just faith and how does it, how do we lean into it? So right now we're just scratching the surface on the tension. Uh, and in a few more episodes, we're going to get like deeper and deeper into it. So for right now, we want to say thanks. Thanks for listening. What we always do is share what God's doing. In other words, if God's even just a little bit done something in you, or if there's something that feels like it's stirring around, listen, you could do a couple things just like Galen and I do. We share like using our own words. Hey, oh my gosh. When I was listening to this, here's what I felt like God did. He reminded me about this, or he showed me this. When we get it out of our mouth, that is when God is moving in a way that is much more than just when we keep it stuck between our two ears. And it has power and life when it comes out of our lips. The other thing we do is share the podcast. If there's some friends that you want to be talking about this stuff with, or you think it might be beneficial, send the link. Super cool. We're doing this together. We'll see you guys in the next episode.